Jesus. I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down, eating your soul. I know a place where mercy flows. Take the stains, make you whiter than snow. Like a tide, it is rising up deep inside a current that moves and makes it come alive. Living water that brings the dead to life. Metro Praise International. How's everybody feeling this afternoon? Yes, yes, yes. I said, how's everybody feeling this afternoon? All right. Yes, thank you guys for joining us this afternoon. Easter Sunday, hallelujah. He is risen. Man, it's so good to see you guys. You guys are loved. Uh, thank you for joining us uh, this afternoon. I'm Pastor Tony. I'm one of the campus pastors here at Metro Praise International. Uh, man, just thank you guys for so much for joining us this afternoon. And and for those of you who are here for visiting and here for the first time, thank you for making us your church today. Uh, why don't we all stand up before we begin? All right. Uh, we always start up our service by uh, having one of our own in the, in the congregation to give a short testimony of what God has done in their life. So I would like to call up my sister Nandri uh, to share of what. Yes, give a warm welcome for her. She makes her way and uh, she's going to share what God's been doing in her life. Amen. Hi everyone. Um, I'm really glad you all made it this morning. I, I really hope that this service and just the Lord's presence this morning blesses you and touches your hearts. I mean, that's why we all gather to give him praise, you know. Um, my testimony this morning is just really basic. I, I've been a Christian, a believer since I was young. And, um, you know, I've just seen the Lord do so many things for me. I've seen him provide in so many different ways. I mean, just to name a few, he's kept me from um, disease from uh, I've never broken a bone I've never been in a serious accident um, and I've been through so many things in my life and I can testify that I've been kept safe I've been kept healthy and even through trials I know that the Lord was there with me helping me through it and this is the verse that came to mind this morning uh, Isaiah 42 16 said I will lead the blind by ways they have not known along from unfamiliar paths I will guide them I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. And relating to that verse, the other verse that came to mind was in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, we walk by faith and not by sight. And I just wanted to encourage you all in that, that the Lord really desires faith from us. And if we can really trust him with the places we don't see and the things in the future that we don't know yet, he will lead us through safely. Amen. Thank you, Lord, so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus. We've just come to give you praise and honor this morning. Just encourage all of us to draw closer to you, Lord. Have your way in all of us this morning, Lord. Amen. today is a happy day. How many of you guys excited to be in God's house on Easter? Come on, can you just say amen? Come on, say that again. Say amen. Come on, today's a happy day. Help me sing this song out this morning. I say the greatest day. The greatest day in history. Death is beaten. You have rescued. 
And doing that just helps us focus on God, helps us not be distracted by the lights or by your neighbor. Man, we want you, we desire for you to know Jesus, to know his love today more than ever before in your life. We're so glad that you joined us today. And, and right now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open up our hearts to hear you, to feel you, to know that your love, Jesus, is unlike any other, Lord. Unlike any other. It was your love that held you on that cross, Lord. And your love that calls us today, Jesus.
Hallelujah, Father. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, how we want to shout hallelujah, God, all the days of our life because you are worthy, God. You are the risen king. You have not been defeated, but you have defeated the enemy. You have conquered the de death, the devil and the grave, oh God. It's because of you death has died, God, and we know that there is an eternal life to be lived with you, Jesus. God, I just, I just thank you for what you've done. We thank you, Jesus, that you suffered and you bled and you died. But on that third day, you rose again, God. You would not be consumed or held back by a tomb, God, because you are greater, God. You are awesome, Lord. And I just want us to sing hallelujah all over again. Oh, Jesus. And everlasting you came to give us a hope and a future and a promise and some of us God some of us in this place don't know what it's like to have promises fulfilled but all we know are promises that have been broken God all we know is a life that's been filled with pain and suffering people have betrayed us people have left us we don't know what it's what it's like to feel whole God but you came to give us wholeness to give us completeness to give us sanctification God to make us like your son oh Lord your grace is sufficient for us for we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God oh Lord and there was only one, there was only one who could redeem us. And that was you, Jesus. We cannot pay our own debt, but we can go to the one who bore all of our sin on that cross. We can ask for your forgiveness and walk out of this place today, God, knowing that we are free and we are saved and we are loved by the God who created us.
Lord, we lift up this time to you. And we just want to say thank you, God, for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you are going to do. And we just want to lift this up in a, in a praise of hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen and hallelujah. Hallelujah. Welcome. Welcome to the church. Knows that the church is more than a building. This is where we congregate, but this is not the church. We are the church. And I want to take this time. We are going to pass out the elements for communion. This is something we do usually on the first um, Sunday of the month, but today is a very special day because we are celebrating the risen king. And so I want to read this passage to you out of the word. And it's in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, and he says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup in the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming back. And we do this as an, as an act of remembrance. And it's something Jesus took very seriously. And that's why we should take it seriously. And I want to just encourage each and every one of you to get your hearts right before God. You know, if you have hidden sin, something that's been plaguing you, you know, this is the time where you give it to the Lord before you take the cup, before you take the bread. And so I just want to give you guys just a moment to just pray. Just pray to the Lord that he would just free you from whatever it is or just ask for for forgiveness in this moment before we do this because it's a holy and sacred covenant. Hallelujah, you can pray. God, we just take this this bread as as a remembrance of your body that was broken for us. And we just thank you. Just let us always remember the stripes that you took for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can take the bread. And Lord, we just lift up this cup to you, God, as we remember the blood that was shed for us and how you did it for just one of us you would you would do it again lord so we just take this cup as in remembrance of the blood you shed for us thank you you can take the cup 
Father God, we just come before you. We thank you, God. Um, and I pray that if there is anyone here who has not given their life to you, Lord, or they need to understand what it is that you've done for them, that they would know today. Because you came to seek and save all who are lost. That every knee should bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. Lord, I just pray that we would all leave a little different today, or a lot different than we came in today, Lord, and that we would be more like your son, Jesus. Father God, I just thank you, and we lift up this service to you, Lord, and we just pray this all in your awesome name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He is good. He is good. We're going to recite our confession of faith. This is our Christian worldview, and after this, there will be a time... Um, a fellowship and there will be a couple prayer workers up here so if you feel like you just want to get prayer give your life to the Lord or have any questions you can come to them and they will pray for you but uh, we are going to recite this this confession of faith on the count of three one two three I believe in one God and creator who is the Father Son and the Holy Spirit the Father who so loved the world the Son who purchased my salvation in his death burial and resurrection and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Greet your neighbor. Give somebody a high five. Tell them you're glad to see them today.
church on Easter afternoon. Clap it up for Jesus. We want to welcome you guys all to Metro Praise International. Isn't it wonderful that we have the freedom to worship God together in this great nation? We thank you all for coming and we also thank you for joining our Easter service. We're going to be wrapping up our Abundant Life sermon series today. So I'm hoping that you came expecting God to do awesome things in your life. We have a children's presentation today. We have free family portraits. So don't forget to get your family picture on the way out. And we just want to thank you guys all for joining us here at Metro Praise International. We have two services on Sundays. One is at 10 a.m. and the other one is at 1 p.m. This is our family service. We always have King's Kids available for our children, infant to 11 years old in the back, where they get to learn about Jesus and sing awesome songs. And then we have Elevate. Every Friday at 7 p.m. for our students 11 to 18 years old. That's our Elevate Youth Service. They're rocking it out for Jesus. If you know anybody in that age group, they want it, you want them to be here on Friday night. So invite them. If your children are in that age group, bring them on by. There's awesome things that God is doing in the lives of our young people. So we want to let you guys know as well, we want to invite you for our new sermon series, Spiritual Growth. It's starting next week. And it's going to be for the whole month of April. We're really excited about it. And we want you guys to come and make it something impactful for you. Don't be a creaster. Look to your neighbor and say, don't be a creaster. You know what that means? You come to church only on Christmas and Easter. Okay? So come next week. Give God your whole month and then some and say, I'm going to come and I'm going to learn something about spiritual growth and growing in my walk with Jesus. So we want to see all of your beautiful faces back here next Sunday, all right? And we also have t-shirts available for you. So we've restocked some of the old popular ones. We also have new ones. So we have the gray and black thick hoodie, um, thick sweater hoodies, Chicago for Jesus. We also have the regular t-shirts in black and gray for all those on the top there as well. And then the new, um, the new styles are the short sleeve long length t-shirts. 
as well as the long sleeve t-shirt hoodie. Does that make sense? Long length, short sleeve t-shirt, and then those really cool long sleeve t-shirt with the hoodies are awesome for the spring. If you guys are interested in buying them today, you can see Pastor Jerry, or you can go easily online and purchase them. They're awesome. Who wants to represent Jesus in Chicago? What better way than to do it with a Chicago for Jesus shirt? So you can get yours uh, today. We want to uh, let you guys know that here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us to live our life by. And our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. The way we connect you here at MPI is through our life groups. And we just open up, our leaders open up their homes, and we want you to guys to get there uh, get connected and be a part of the family that God is raising up here. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism, to preach the law, to preach the gospel to the lost around you. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and then 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen. God is good. So somebody say connect. We want to get you connected to our life groups. So here's a snapshot of what's happening this week. You could turn your hand out around. There's a schedule for this quarter, which is actually, this is the last week for that schedule for this quarter. June, uh, January, February, March have completely passed us by. So come next week, you'll learn about the new schedule. But this week we have Wednesday, our King's Kids, they meet here every week. Infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. Parents, you want your children to be here. They're learning about Jesus. We have Royal Rangers Boys Club, Impact Girls Club. Thursday, our gang outreach ministry is heading, uh, heading out into the streets, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. And then on Friday, we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Govea's house, the other one at the Vivid's house, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. If you're an adult, you want to be there on Friday night. So awesome things to connect to throughout the week. And like I said, stay tuned on the website and come back next week. You'll see the new quarter of Life Groups kicking it off uh, in April. Now we want to mentor you. Say mentor. We have a 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. And this is the book that our leaders will use to meet with you one-on-one -on -one to help you grow in your walk with the Lord. And then when you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class Sunday mornings with Pastor Jared. Thursday evenings with Pastor Ellie, and it's a class where we train you to be a leader in the church, to be a disciple that makes disciples. And so we're really passionate about that. And then after, um, as you're being mentored, we want to send you out to do evangelism. Every Saturday from 5 to 8, 8, we hit the streets preaching the gospel to complete strangers. How many of you guys know Chicago needs Jesus? We are to be God's messengers to this city to preach the gospel. If you've never joined them, I want to encourage you, join them. The Bible says, he who refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. It's a refreshing thing to preach the gospel to the lost and to see people saved. We see people saved. God transforms lives. So in recap, MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision of loving God, loving people. A strategy to connect, mentor, and send you. And then a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Let me get a hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Who's ready to give their tithes and offerings? Who wants to honor the Lord on Easter and give the Lord their first fruits? Come on. MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of our total income given to the church regularly. We believe in putting God first even in our finances. An offering is anything above your tithe that isn't an amount between you and the Lord. There's no, 
There's no limit. There's no cap to that. It's whatever the Lord tells you to give in offerings, you be faithful in that. And we designate that towards missions and building. We have a building fund that we're currently in, raising monies for new band equipment, and we love the mission field. We give towards various mission projects throughout the year. And so we're going to get into our lesson today in the Disciples Giving Book. You could always check out the website. It's givingbook.org if you wanted to take a look at all the lessons. We have one lesson for every week of the year. There's 52 total. Today we're on section one, lesson 13. The tithe is mandated for all. Again, the tithe, the definition for tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. We're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 16 too. You could turn there in your Bibles. You could look up at the screen. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money and keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. That was the Apostle Paul teaching the church in uh, Corinth how to save up their money and set it aside so when he came, it would be ready to go. So let's learn about the three main points. Number one, the early church met on Sundays. The first disciples changed their main meeting day from the Jewish Sabbath Saturday to Sunday, the first day of the week, because it was the day Jesus raised from the dead. Come on, that's what we're celebrating today. That is why 2,000 years later, Christians still make Sundays their main day of worship. Number two, set aside a sum of your income. Notice how Paul refers to the tithe by teaching. Set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. This helps, under, this helps us understand that the early church followed Malachi's instructions and gave one tithe from their total income, like how Jacob did before the law came with its different regulations and giving. So the Old Testament coincides with the New Testament when it comes to giving and the tithe. Malachi is a book in the Old Testament. So we learn very deeply what, how serious it was, even in the New Testament church, how important it was for us to give our finances to support the work of the gospel. And number three, Paul collected the tithe. Since Paul was a Corinthians apostle and overseer, he was trusted with the task of gathering the tithes and using them for God's kingdom. Not our own kingdom, God's kingdom. Just like in our times, Paul needed to provide for the teachers among them, care for the poor, and cover the church's expenses. So when you give your tithe, the leadership collects it and uses it for the glory of God. Aren't you guys happy that you have an awesome church that we fear God and we use it for the God's glory, his kingdom? You provide uh, MPI with all that we need to do for what God has called us to. Here's a summary. Follow the pattern of the first disciples by setting aside your tithe and giving it to the church every time you receive increase. We're blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Here's the application. Number one, repent if you have not been faithful in setting aside your tithe every time you receive increase from God. And two, be faithful either in person or online to give your tithe to the church for the kingdom of God. We want the gospel to be preached to the ends of, this, of the earth. And this is one of the ways that we can make that happen. If that gets you excited, let's confess this over our life together on the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Amen. Can you please stand up to your feet with me? this afternoon as we prepare to give the Lord our very best. 
our tithes and offerings. This is an extended act of worship unto our king. Again, a tithe is 10% of your total income given to the church regularly. We will be designating the offerings towards missions and building. And on the envelope, you can put exactly the amount that you want to go towards each category. Here at MPI, we have four ways for you to give to make it very convenient for you. Number one, in the bucket during the offering time. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Jerry for that if you have any questions. And number four, online, you can use Chase QuickPay, PayPal, or BillPay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. That's our website. Here's our um, update for the new band equipment. Thank you so much for joining with us. We're so excited about what God is doing. We've raised $4,122 thus far. And I just want, yes, thank you. Give it up for yourselves and for Jesus. We thank you for your generosity. And for those that haven't joined us on this journey thus far, you can, number one, pray. Ask God what you should give to the building fund. Number two, listen and uh, um, be faithful to what the Holy Spirit tells you to give. And number three, give and give generously. Let's recite this verse together. Philippians 4:18. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and your goodness to our lives. I ask, O oh Lord, that you would receive the tithes and the offerings today, God. Multiply it. Bless it, God, as we meet the needs of the people in, your, in this city, God, in the city that you have called us to reach, and that your message would be preached to the ends of the earth. Use us, O oh God, to make an impact in our generation in this time. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver. Um, meet their needs according to your glorious riches. And I ask you would give them promotions and raises and prosper them on their job so that they could give you all the glory in everything that they do. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Please come forward as you give. And we thank you so much for your generosity. I just want to go ahead and introduce to you King's Kids, who's in, um, that's our children's ministry in the back. My name is Tina, and I'm one of the leaders back there that helps out with the children. So we are going to present to you two songs today in honor of our risen King. Everybody say hallelujah. Yes, praise the Lord for Jesus Christ who came to this earth and died for our sins so that we may live 
freely for him, freely not only here on earth, but for eternity in his presence. Imagine that. So the Bible does tell us that let all the children come to me, he says, not to hold them back from him. And so what a better honor than to have these wonderful children up here singing a song. So we will go ahead and uh, begin our songs now. broken heart pick me up now I'm set apart from your again forever safe in the Savior's hand both than my words could say follow you Lord throughout my days and I follow in your ways forever safe in the grace cause you are you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher, lift you higher. Your love, your love, your love, never ending. Oh, oh, oh. Love in us, nothing can take your place. You are With a broken heart Pick me up Now I'm set apart And yes I'm born again Forever safe In the Savior's hands More than my words could say Follow you Lord For all my days My eyes follow In your ways Forever safe In the hand of grace you are, you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher, lift you higher. Your love, your love, your love, never ending. Oh, oh, oh. You are love in us. Nothing can take your place. All we need, your love has set us free.
shake the ground with the sound of revival. Heaven roar and fire fall. Come shake the ground with the sound of revival. God's not dead, he's surely alive. Awesome. Let's give another round of applause Yay! for our children's ministry. Woo! King's kids. <laughs> Thank you so much. I hope you all enjoyed um, our children's ministry and their presentation. I hope you'll enjoy the rest of this service as well. If I told you my story, you would hear hope, they wouldn't let go. And if I told you my story, you would hear love, but never gave up. And if I told you my story, wasn't
Come on, if you believe in Jesus, let's stand to our feet. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise and a shout of victory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, slap your neighbor high five and say, if he did it for them, tell your neighbor, if he did it for them as you slap him high five, he can do it for you. Come on, tell somebody, if he did it for them, he can do it for you. You may be seated in the house of God. How's everybody doing today? My name is Joe Wyrostek. I'm your friendly neighborhood pastor. Wasn't it amazing seeing those testimonies? I know sometimes we think it's too good to be true, but it's not. It's so good it has to be true. Because why would we be lying? Why would I lie and tell you something that wasn't true? I'm telling you the honest truth that Jesus Christ set me free November 5th, 1995. That has been over 20 years that I have been with Jesus Christ. Have I fallen down? Have I made mistakes? Yes. But I want to tell you, I've never done drugs again. I never committed a crime again. Maybe speeding, but I never got arrested again. And God's been so faithful. How many of you have seen God's faithfulness? Can I hear amen? You know, don't let this world take away your promise in God. Don't let this world take away your hope in Jesus Christ. When we talk about grace, we're talking about Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And I'm so glad that you're here today, friends and family, Metro Praise International members. We're so happy that you've made this your church service today. And I want you to open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 10, verse 10. We just had a record service uh, in the first service. We had 276 people. Let's give it up for Jesus. And I can tell you right now we're setting a record here. There's at least 100 here with the kids in the back. We'll probably have close to 400 today. Will you give it up for Jesus Christ? Amen. My wife and I started this church in our house in a Bible study, and if we have close to 400 today, that's only by God's grace. It's only by God's grace. Now I want you to come back next week, though, too. Amen? Because don't be a creaster. Don't be a creaster. Christmas and Easter is wonderful. We celebrate God on those days, but we want to live for him 24-7. Amen? You want to go to heaven? Live for Jesus 24-7. Get rid of the sin and the leaven. Y'all ain't ready for that? Oh, y'all ain't ready for that rapping pastor. Well, it's coming. It's coming. Abundant Life has been our sermon series this whole month of March. We've been going through it. So if you've missed any message, go back online, check it out. My notes are online right now, mpichurch.org. You'll see the notes right there on the recent sermons. And I want to conclude this awesome sermon series with a beautiful message on abundant life. And so I want you to go with me to John chapter 10, verse 10. If you don't have it, just follow along with the karaoke screen. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus is talking. This is what he says. He said, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy what? Life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So the thief, he's a liar, and he comes to steal from us, kill us, and destroy us. Jesus said that I've come that you may have and enjoy life. Now, oftentimes when we think of abundant life, what do people think of in our culture? They immediately start to think of abundant things. Oh, God's going to get me a new house. God's going to get me a new car. God's going to give me an education. God's going to help me out because I need some stuff. That's what Jesus is. Jesus is my genie in a bottle, and whenever I need him, I'll call him up and ask for help. 
But that's not the abundant life. That's not Jesus' definition of abundant life. Because abundant things are not God's promises in this world. You may have persecution in this world. People may not like you. You may lose people that you love in this world. Economies may go up and down. But can I tell you what abundant life is? Abundant life is the promise of Jesus Christ living on the inside of you, never leaving you nor forsaking you, and giving you things that really matter like love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness and abundance so that no matter what you go through, you know that you're always with Jesus Christ. Because you know what? Problems may come and go, but I got peace that remains forever. Sorrows may come and go. You may hurt me. Rejection may come and go, but I've got acceptance and love from Jesus Christ that never leaves. Hello, somebody. I've got a hope in Jesus Christ beyond the scope of human limitations. So don't just think to yourself today that if God's going to bless me, I need to get blessed with things. I know we need things, but I want you to focus on what's going to last beyond these 70, 80 years that we live. That is, my friend, abundant life. And that's what's encouraging and comforting to our brothers and sisters around the world right now who suffer for Jesus Christ. I wear this bracelet to remind me of the underground church around the world. So today, imagine you love Jesus. You're in Pakistan, but the Muslims have taken your home. Maybe they fired you from your job. So you don't have abundant things, but I want to ask you a question. Do they have abundant life today? Yes, Pakistani brothers and sisters have abundant life because our life is not in the things that we have, but in the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if God did say that he will take care of us and he'll bless us in this life and the life to come, but I want you to focus on what's most important, and that's his kind of life. Because I'm not a pastor that's going to lie to you up here and tell you you're going to accept Jesus on Easter or come to church on Easter and feel good about yourself and bad things won't happen. And you're going to walk through a you know rose-petaled life, yellow brick road. I ain't going to lie to you because then you're going to quit on Jesus and blame me for it. But if I can get you ready to face a world with problems and troubles and a world of rejection and pain, but know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world and that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, you might come back next week with a pep in your step with your frown upside down in a shout inside your heart going thank you Jesus because you're good you're good all the time you're good whether or not economies are good you're good whether or not politicians are good you're good whether or not the cubs are good come on somebody God is always good now, some of you, you don't want that kind of life. You want the kind of life that the devil will give you, and the devil can take it away. Some of you just want your little education. You know, I'm getting my doctorate right now. I hang out with a lot of smart people, and some of you wish you were smart. You wish that you could get your education, become a doctor, make a lot of money. But, my friends, you must not know a lot of doctors and people who make a lot of money because they're no different than you. Some of them are more jacked up than you are today, more money, more problems. You see, my friends, your hope is not an education. Wake up, my friend. Your hope needs to be in Jesus. Some of you just wish you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a relationship, and you don't understand the devil will give that to you just to destroy your soul because it's not just about falling in love. I've fallen in love with my wife, and I've also had my heart broken in life. And I'll tell you one thing. Heartbreak or my wife can't determine my eternity. My eternity is determined by Jesus Christ. But some of you don't want abundant life. You want a barely get-along, broke, busted, and disgusted life as long as it feels good for a little bit. You don't believe me, just look at the scale because you trade it all the time for what you want to eat for temporary pleasure while you blow it up. Hello? 
I got 60 pounds overweight looking for temporary pleasure, but I had to begin to understand that you can't always get what you want. You can't always take those things in life and expect to have a fruitful, successful life. So the kind of life that Jesus is talking about ain't the kind of life you see Oprah Winfrey living. It ain't the kind of life your favorite football stars live in. It's the kind of life that disciples live, and they live for Jesus in ups and downs. They live for Jesus if people like them or they don't like them. And if living for Jesus is wrong, they don't want to be right, baby. You see, if Jesus costs you something, you're going to give up on Jesus? If Jesus said, I love you, I laid down my life for you, but I want you to give up that job, would you do it for Jesus? Because if you hold on to that job, you've been believed in a lie by the devil because the devil says this job defines you. If God says give up that relationship, will you do it? Because if you don't, you're defining your life by that relationship. I would rather go to heaven by myself than go to hell with you. Are you listening to me? I'm going to preach it like you never heard it before. Some of you need to go back to Father Tom's Easter service. This is a real Easter service. I ain't feeding you communion, and I'm not asking you to confess naughty things to me in the dark closet. I'm here to talk to you today about eternal, abundant life. And some of you got abundant problems, abundant excuses, and you don't want the abundant life, and you're going to go to hell and ask God to have forgiveness for you then, but not understand you needed it now. An abundant life starts right now by you admitting to God, I need you. I need you, Jesus. And Jesus, if you cost me everything, I need you. You're worth it. You know what the word worthy means? It means God is worth it. You say, God, you're, you're worth my friends. God, you're worth my job. God, you're, you're worth my 10% of tithe. God, you're, you're worth my time. You know, some of you say you ain't got no time for God, but your Facebook status shows that's a lie. You be on Facebook all the time. You need to take your face out of Facebook and put your face in his book, and you'll start to see God move in your life. See, people want to come to church one day out the week and ask God, or one day out the year, and ask God to change it all around and put, a, you know, put some little glitter on their life, but it ain't like that. If you want an abundant life, you got to want Jesus with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. That's what I came to preach about. Anybody want to hear that? That's the introduction to the introduction. How many ready for the introduction? i got a message to preach to you. Here's the introduction. The abundant life that Jesus gives is more than just a fantasy. It's more than just a wish. It's a reality. It's what you saw when people were turning around their signs. Jesus promises an abundant life, which begins in the here and now. I don't have to wait to heaven to get it. I can get it now. And it brings to mind those Old Testament prophecies about abundant blessing in Ezekiel 34 and the changing of our heart and the changing of our ways. How many of you had some money, but you didn't have joy before? Am I talking to anybody here? How many of you ever had a relationship before, but you didn't have dedication? How many of you have ever had things, but you didn't have contentment? Okay, I just want to know who I'm talking to. The rest of you might still have the glaze of the devil over your eyes. You might be sucking on the bobo of this world. Because if all the, all the devil has to do is give you that bobo, he can distract you and steal everything while you ain't looking. See, while we ain't looking, the culture right now is going to hell. Abortion right now kills 35 children a year in this country, a day in this country. 3,500 children a day die in abortion clinics. And we got young adults suck, sucking on their bobo playing video games. <laughs> And they have no purpose in life, and yet their generations dying among them. We have in Chicago the highest rate of murder, and yet right now we're paying these jokers to go on a grass field and hit a ball with a bat. And the devil just gave us a bobo and said, you just think about this. You just think who got the most RBIs. You just think about who hit that top ten single. You, you just, you just, shh, 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 shh. don't you think about nothing else? 
Don't you think about abortion? Don't you think about violence? Don't you think about your soul? I'll give you a bobo of sports. I'll give you a bobo of entertainment. I'll keep you so busy in the rat race, you won't know your head from your tail. You won't know which direction you're going. And you see, some of us need to wake up here today and see there's blessings in God. There's a life in God that's worth living for and also worth dying for. Jesus called his followers not to a gloomy, lifeless, miserable existence that squashes human potential because when I talk like this, some of you are like, oh, you just want me to go to church all the time? You want me to stop having fun? No, I want you to experience what real life is. You see, in heaven, people are like, well, I'm going to go fishing up there, Pastor. When I go to heaven, I'm going to play baseball. You don't need baseball to get high in heaven, to have that high of a team winning. You don't need to have sex in heaven to have that experience of joy. You see, the Bible says, in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy, and at his right hands are pleasures forevermore. Everything we've found down here is but a shadow of God's eternal joy up there. You find happiness right now in your children like I do. I love seeing my children sing, but it's but a shadow of God's joy up there. And if Bethany doesn't want to go, I'm still going without her because the fullness of joy is in my father. Hello? But I'll teach my children the ways of the Lord so when they're old they won't depart. But I'm going with or without you, Bethany. You better make up your decision. Hello? Some of you think right now the shadow is what you want. If I had a million dollars in my hands and then you saw a shadow down here, what would you want? The million in my hand or the shadow of the million? So many people are living for the shadows of temporary pleasures, not understanding that God has the glorious pleasures in his hands in heaven and you need to seek his face to get his hand. And Jesus' life is not a boring life, it's not a gloomy life, it's not a miserable life that squashes human potential, but is a rich, full, joyful life overflowing with meaningful activities under the personal favor and blessing of God in a continual fellowship with his people. Boom shakalaka, take that. I'll put my life up against any celebrity. I'll put my life against anybody selling you a bill of goods. You tell me that you're having fun. You tell me that you enjoy the blessings that your money can give you. I understand it looks good. It feels good. We want money to use for good things. But let me ask you something. Let me ask you something in your life when you go to bed. After you parked your Maserati, your Lamborghini, whatever your dream car is, what does your heart tell you about who you are? After you've laid down in your silk sheets, put yourself upon them satin pillows. After you've set the air conditioning or the heat to exactly the way you want it in your five-bedroom house or wherever you live in a condo overlooking the lake. What does your soul tell you about your relationship with God? Not your religion. Not what you check off on a census. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Hindu. I'm a Buddhist. Well, I don't know. I'm a buffet person. I take a little Jesus, little Buddha with the little, little shake-a-doodles of Hinduism. Listen to me. It's not about what you add to your life and religion. Religion will damn you to hell just as quick as unbelief will damn yourself to hell. Religion doesn't save a man. I'll put you in a choir robe, baptize you up here. You can be still going to hell. You can give a preacher a microphone, give him a TV show, sell a million books. He can still be going to hell. The the only ones that go to heaven are those who have eternal life, those who came to Jesus Christ and said, I want what you have, and I'll give up everything to get it. Jesus said this to those who wanted to follow him, deny yourself, not help yourself. Some people are like, well, I'm going to help myself, Pastor, then I'll come to church. No, you can't help yourself except make yourself a self-made mess. Every time you try to do things for yourself, it's like having sludge on your hands. You can't get it off your hands, but you try to clean yourself, and it gets all over you. You think you're going to clean your family, your community, and it gets all over your family, your community, and your job. Only Jesus Christ can cleanse the heart and make us new. Can I hear an amen? 
Now, when I talk like this, some people wish they might have chose that other church down the street, but that's okay, you're here today. But others of you, you might get what I'm saying, and you're like, well, Pastor, I don't know how this works then, because I don't have that. I don't have that kind of life. Well, how do I get it? And then this is where people get messed up in their mind, and maybe some preacher told you wrong as well. They say something like, well, you know, you got to get progressive salvation. you got to work on it. You know, you got to do a little bit at a time. It's like going to the gym, you know. You're going to go to the gym of self-help religion. You're going to do the treadmill of reading your Bible. You're going to do the stair stepper of prayer. You're, you're, you're going to do the weight lifting of, of, of religion and do good works and help out the poor and volunteer on Thanksgiving at the food kitchen. And if you look at your life, it's going to be like a progress bar. Maybe somebody told you this and you do a little bit, you'll be 10% saved. Pastor, look at me. I don't cuss like I used to, but I still got 90% of the devil in me, but I'm a better person than I used to be. Boop, 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 boop. Maybe a few months later, they're like 20% Christian. Well, I'm, a, I'm a better person now, Pastor. Look at me. I'm working hard on my spiritual treadmill. I read my Bible and pray. Look at me. Well, what's wrong with the other 80% of you? Don't ask me about that. Well, what's wrong with that part of you in traffic? Don't ask me about that. What's wrong with that part of you that's on the Internet by yourself, BigHooters.com? Well, don't ask me about that because because, because God's still working on me. This is where they go to, Second Flesh chapter 2, verse 11. God's still working on me. God's still working on me, Pastor. And one day I'll be who he wants me to be because nobody's perfect. So leave me alone. Is that what Jesus said? Did Jesus said he would give you some progressive jacked up life, half Dr. Jekyll, half Mr. Hyde? Did he say that was what his life is like? Let's look at this scripture. The thief comes in only uh, order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came to give you progressive salvation in Oprah Winfrey's life class. Will you gradually become a better person for the rest of your life? Wink, wink, because nobody's perfect. Is that what Jesus said? Did Jesus say I came to give you 10% of a new life? Then why are most Christians living jacked up? Jesus said, I came to give you 20% of a new life, 30% of a new life, 40% of a new He said, I came that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. What does the Bible teach about that? Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. Look at your Bible. Don't listen to your flesh. Well, nobody's perfect. Stop judging me. I don't know. I'm just a half Christian right now. I don't know what the other half's like, but don't ask me. I'm half Christian. Well, let's look at what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is boom, download. I'm saved, baby. I'm saved. Are you saved? I'm saved. You say, well, Pastor, don't you sin sometimes? I absolutely do. I admit it. I don't, I don't run away from it. I try to live it out every day. When I don't, I confess it. But I ain't making no excuse, Jesus working on me, Jesus working on me, Jesus working on me. Because how does that work in real life? Police officer pulls you over. You're going 90 miles an hour. Now, listen, police officer, I'm 90% a good citizen. It's just this little 10%. Once I get on the expressway, I can't help myself. Does a police officer go, well, of course, nobody's perfect. I just shot somebody today, and I'm just getting over it, too, because nobody's perfect. I'm not a perfect police officer. You're not a perfect driver. Okay, let's just keep on. Is that what they do in life? Is that what your boss is going to do? Show up tomorrow late. Show up Tuesday late. Show up Wednesday late. And be like, God made me this way. God made me this way. I was just meant to sleep in all the time. 
That's what people tell me. God made me like this, Pastor. To, you know, I just love women so much. And I just can't help myself. God made me to love them. All these women are like beautiful little flowers. And I just got to look at every single one. God made me this way. Is that, is that how it works? Can a, can, a, can a person, a criminal, go before a judge after he's stolen from a store and go, listen, judge, now listen, you know what? God made me this way. I just love stealing stuff. You know what I'm saying? I just love stealing stuff. Just, just the judge wink at him and go, hey, well, God made me corrupt, and I get to still be a judge, so hey, why don't you go your way? I go my way. If that doesn't work in the real world, if your girlfriend wouldn't take that gentleman, if you say, well, I cheated on you, baby, because God made me this way, then why are we walking around singing Lady Gaga lyrics, not the Bible? Why are we saying I was born this way, making excuses, instead of saying I've been born one way as a sinner, but I got born again as a saint? Yeah, I was born messed up, tore up from the floor up, but I got born again like Jesus Christ. Now, if y'all don't believe that, y'all don't believe the Bible. Go back to another self-help church and religion that will tell you some progress way to heaven because the Muslims teach the same way. I got a book on Islam in the back. Pray five times a day towards Mecca. Make sure you fast during Ramadan. Don't eat pork and just maybe, just maybe, just maybe when you get to the scales of justice and Allah, inshallah, you'll find out if your good outweighs your bad. My friends, that's a devilish lie. Your good will never outweigh your bad. You want to know how bad you are without Christ? I got a calculator. I'll help you out. How many want to see that today for Easter? You can tell all your friends this. I think on average we probably sin at least three times a day. Wouldn't you agree? Right, about three times. Tell a lie. Take something that doesn't belong to you. Lust after somebody that's not your husband or wife. Be jealous of what somebody else has. Take the name of the Lord in vain. Young people, disobey your parents. Be bitter, unforgiving, selfish, ambition. These things I think we can admit maybe, maybe, two to three times a day. We have to look at ourselves and go, messed up, sin. Now, let's say you live 70 years to be 80 years old, 70 years after 10 years old. How many think a 10-year-old knows right from wrong? How many think they do, right? Okay, let's take this right here. Let's say you sin three times a day times 365 days out of a year times 70 years after you turn 10 years old, and you sin 76,000 times 650 sins. Do you think when you stand before God, he's going to say to you, you're, you're a pretty good person? You're pretty good. At least you're not Hitler. At least you're not Donald Trump. At least you're not some other crazy person. Do you think that's what God's going to say on Judgment Day? Hey, everybody's a sinner. Let me just erase these 76,000 sins today. Is that what Jesus is going to say? What do you think he's going to say? I'll tell you. what. How many read your Bible before? Don't be upset with me because I read it. I'm going to tell you what he's going to tell you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. The only ones who go there are those forgiven of sin. You don't ask for forgiveness on judgment day. My friends, you're not a good person without Jesus Christ. Self-righteous people will bust hell wide open. Listen to the way Jesus talks to Jewish people in the Bible. New life is either a gift that God gives you today or you are still dead in your sins. Can I show you that in the Bible? Come on, somebody say preach it to me. Now, I'm still happy that it's Easter. Are you guys happy? This is kind of why Jesus died on the cross for us. Look at it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, many of you have heard it all throughout this sermon series. Enjoy it again as you listen to it. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. Who are we without Christ? Are we alive without Christ? According to the Bible, you were what without Christ? Dead in your what? And what? Sins in which you used to live and when you followed the ways of this world. Is Oprah a part of the world or is Oprah part of Christ's kingdom when she teaches what she teaches? 
Come on, is Lady Gaga part of the world or Christ's kingdom when she teaches what she teaches through her songs? Hello? Is what you're listening to a part of the world or the kingdom of God? But all of us at one time followed this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's that devil, that thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the spirit who's at now at work and those who are disobedient. That's why I love watching people come to my church because they squirm when they hear preaching like this. They weren't ready for it. It's like, boom, up in their face. It's like, whoa, pastor, back it up. I already got a two-star rating from some of our visitors this morning. I don't give a rip on Facebook. Listen to me. I'd rather have you rate me two stars and Jesus give me five stars. I'd rather go to heaven by myself than go to hell with you. I've already said that. Listen to me. If the crowd is with me and I'm wrong, I don't care because I don't want to believe a lie. You could host me up on your shoulders and say, I love you, Pastor. I love you, Pastor. But if I'm telling you a lie, I'm going to be punished for it. This is the truth. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. So without Christ, what are you following? The cravings of your what? And the desires of your thoughts and the things that it wants. And like the rest, we were by nature what? Deserving of wrath. Look at your neighbor and say, you're naughty by nature. Without Christ, you're naughty. You're naughty. I'm naughty. You don't think you're naughty. You don't hang around with kids enough. I, man, my, my daughter's waking me up. She's only almost two years old right now, and she knows enough to be naughty. Now, God has mercy on children. The Bible says the kingdom of God belongs to them. You don't have to wonder what happens if they die. God takes them into his kingdom. But I know my daughter by nature is naughty. She comes from the, the race of Adam and Eve, a fallen race where sin has been imputed to her because of what they did, and at some point in her life, she will make her choice to follow the high, treacherous uh, traitor of heaven and earth, Satan himself, or whether she will repent of her devious ways and accept Christ. But right now, you can see the naughtiness in her nature. I can hear Nancy telling her, now, Zoe, I got to go downstairs. You follow me. Now, I'm just waking up, by the way, and I can just start to hear Zoe say, no, 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 no. Daddy, daddy, daddy. And then I can hear my wife saying, well, daddy's sleeping. Daddy's sleeping. No, 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 no. And then I can hear her making her way over to my bedroom. By this time, I'm about wide awake, so this is my alarm. And then I can hear her start banging on the door. Daddy, daddy, daddy. And I can hear my wife telling her, come on downstairs with me. See, what put that in my daughter's heart? disobedience. Now, I think it's great that she wants to be with daddy, but how many know it's still disobedience? Mama said, you come here. Mama said, you do this. But yet in her heart, she wants to disobey. Who taught her that? Did one of you teach her that? Come on. You one of y'all making the pastor's kids bad? Did you teach her that? Did you go back in that nursery and go to little Zoe? Hey, little Zoe, let me tell you something. Next time your daddy asks you to do something, you say no. Next time your mommy asks you to say something, you do something, you say no. Who taught our children that? My parents say they were spanking me by the time I was in kindergarten, and I can't even remember it. I remember getting in trouble, and yet I don't even know why. Some of you don't even understand why you were the way you are. This Bible's trying to explain it to you. By nature, you were deserving of wrath. That's why. I have people come to me all the time with same-sex attraction. We had them in the first service. We have them here now. Pastor, why is it I grew up with that? Because you grew up with the nature of wrath. People come to me and say, Pastor, why is it I have this anger on the inside of me? You, you have a nature of wrath. Pastor, why is it I just have an inward desire to be lazy all the time? I don't know why. I try hard to, to work at it, but I'm just by nature lazy because you have a nature of wrath. Pastor, why is it the moment I saw pornography for the first time I got hooked on it? I've been looking at it since I was eight years old because you have a nature of wrath. Pastor, why is it when I first got hurt in kindergarten ever since then I can't forgive? It's hard for me to forgive. I'm bitter towards those who hurt me. It's because life like the rest, you and I are by nature deserving of wrath. 
But how many are happy today is not called Judgment Day? Are you happy today is Easter? I'll just tell you a story right now. Right now, there are people in hell that wish they could sit where you're sitting right now. Listen to me. See, right now, to, the, to, to your ears, some of you are being offended by this, but to the ears of those already in hell, this is what they wish they could hear. Some of them already are just screaming out, saying, give me one more chance, just one more chance, one more chance to hear the preacher, one more chance to hear the person at my work tell me about Jesus, one more chance. But you see, it's us in the land of the living that think we have tomorrow as our own. Only a fool thinks tomorrow belongs to him today. Write that down, tweet it, only a fool thinks that tomorrow belongs to him today. You're not promised tomorrow, my friends. This is the gospel of salvation. Now, I'm thankful God put a big old butt in the Bible. How many are happy for big old butts in the Bible? But because of his great love for us. That's why judgment is not today. That's why you and I are not in hell today. That's why today is Resurrection Sunday and the gospel is being preached. Disciples are being made. There are testimonies being told. The devil is defeated. Jesus is alive and you can have abundant life because of his great love for us. God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ Jesus even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins and God raised us with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved. Does it say you've been saved by going to a water stain at a bridge and putting uh, uh, some incense and a candle there? You've been saved by praying with Father Tom and confessing your naughty secrets in a dark closet? Is that what it says? You've been saved because you are religious. You've been saved because you went to church and got yelled at by a preacher and said, well, I guess I'll believe it because I don't know the Bible and he's scaring me right now. I got the hell scared out of me. What happened at your church? They scared the hell out of me, man. I'm going to heaven now. Well, it's a start. If you were headed off a cliff, what do you want me to say? You're going to win the lottery? My sister died drinking and driving. The most saddest call my mother ever received was from the police officer saying, your daughter's dead. She hit a pole going 70 miles an hour, split it in two, went through the top of her car like a pop can, split it open. You, you think that was a good day for my mother? Of course it wasn't. That police officer could have said something that would have made her feel good. Could have said, hey, 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 let me tell you something. I'm from the Illinois State Lottery, and your daughter just won $500 million. I just want to tell you that. Now, my, my mother might have jumped up and down. She might have been excited, but how long do you think that excitement would last? Come on, be honest. With how long would that excitement last? What, 10 minutes, an hour, until she found out the truth? Now this man that she was so happy called her at the beginning and told a lie. What does she think about that man now? What does she think about him? She says, you're a liar, and you are inconsiderate. How dare you? My daughter died, and you're lying to me. My friends, preachers are lying to you. Pastors are lying to you. Priests are lying to you. You better check whether or not I'm lying to you. You will be judged one day, and here's the only way you're getting saved. By Grace. Grace. November 5th, Joe Y. Rostick had drugs in his pocket, high school dropout, on my way to hell, deserving of it. And my mother tells me God has a plan for my life. At that point, I said to her, God's like the fairy, tooth fairy. I don't believe in him. I don't believe in the, the Santa Claus. I said, all you religious people are all the same. I hated God. I used to call up them prayer hotlines on Christian TV and make fun of them when I was high on drugs. I did LSD in my church. I would kiss girls in the church bathroom. And I want to tell you something. I mocked God in front of my mother. And this is what she told me. She said, Joe, I don't know how to explain to you what's different about all these religions, but I'll tell you this. You try Jesus, you'll never be the same. 
And that day I started to pray just a little bit in my heart because I was so desperate. I knew that money wouldn't make me happy. I knew those ways wouldn't make me happy. And she just prayed with me. And I started to feel Jesus. And I used to live for highs. I used to live for parties. And I started to feel Jesus. And instantly I started to notice that God wanted me. Not my religion, not my money. All of those things would, would, would look at, for me, a bad thing. Like, oh, you want me to go to church? No, but God said, I want you. And I surrendered my life that day. Have you surrendered your life yet? Because it's only by grace you can be saved. You either are not saved and you are on your way to hell, or you are saved in a similar fashion. Maybe you were not on drugs. Maybe you were like my, my wife, a, a virgin, never drank alcohol, never touched a cigarette, but you realize that you were broke, busted, and disgusted without Jesus. I don't know what will bring you to the cross, but you better make your way to the cross while you can and experience the grace of God, for it is by grace you have been saved through what? Faith, which means I believe, I believe, and this is not from your what do we want to take credit for? We want to take credit for coming to church on Easter. Let me check into Metro Praise. We have over 3,000 check-ins on our page. Boom, I came to Metro Praise. Look at me, and I think that's cool. But we want to take credit for that. We want to take a selfie with our, our friends here. Look at me, and I want to tell you something. Salvation is not of yourself. You have to say it was by grace alone, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Now look at this scripture. Somebody say, help him, Lord, because I'm preaching better than you're shouting. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? Is that created a present tense word? Am I being created now or have I been created past tense? Past tense. Are you God's handiwork? Has God got his hands on your life and worked you out to be who he wants you to be? Has God created you, done 100% the person he wants you to be? Because that's the place that God wants you and I to be. No excuses, no half-stepping. It's all in. Either he is the Lord of all or he's not the Lord at all. Either you surrender to Jesus Christ today or you will get exactly what you want in the end. What is hell? I've taught you guys here. What is hell? Is hell that place that Jesus comes up to us somewhat sinisterly and goes, you didn't want me and now I'm going to send you to hell and kicks us there? No, what is hell? Hell is the place that sinners get to go by their choice because God loves you so much that he won't force you to be somewhere you want, won't want to be. Listen to me. You'll never be up in heaven and meet somebody that was kidnapped and brought up there. Jesus is not a kidnapper. You won't go up to heaven and find somebody walking around going, oh, my gosh, why am I here? Well, what happened to you? Well, I was just standing there by the bus stop, and all of a sudden a, a van rolled up with some angels and some guy in a robe, I think it was Jesus, peeked out and said, you want some candy? And I went close to the van, and they pulled me in, and they took me up here, and I'm in heaven. And I don't want to be here. How would I get here? No, there will be nobody in heaven saying God kidnapped them and brought them there. And there will nobody in hell going, how did I get here? No, no, no. Everybody will know exactly how they got there. Hell is the destination of mankind without God. When you hear preaching like this, and you don't want to submit to Jesus Christ, you will get what you want, a place without him. You see, in this world, people think they can reject God. I meet them all the time. I go to witnessing. I'll be there next uh, tomorrow, Bright College. I love to preach. God, I'm sporting the new shirt right here. Come on, somebody. I ain't ashamed of Jesus Christ. I know you ain't cl clapping for my looks. You're clapping for the message. Amen. Praise God. But listen to this. Listen to this. I meet people all the time that think they know better than God. 
I meet them all the time. Well, I'm so smart, I figured it out. I figured it out. We don't need God. Well, how'd you get here then, Mr. Smarty Pants? Well, I got here from evolution. I believe in science, not God. You ever met somebody like that? You know what you've just met? You've met a fool. That's what you've met. I believe in science and not God. Okay, well, tell me how science says you got here then. Tell me, Mr. Smarty Pants. Tell me, microbiologist, a Ph.D. in nuclear engineering or physics. Tell me how you got here. I got here from evolution. Where did, where did evolution came from? Well, it came from a big bang. Where did a big bang come from? Oh, you don't know where a big bang came from, huh? You ever bang nothing? You ever bang nothing and something come out of it? Have you ever seen nothing bang nothing and something come from that? Can nothing bang nothing? I believe in the big bang because I know who banged it. God said, let there be light. Bang, it happened. You got your brain from God. You got your ability to argue with God. The reason why you can think to yourself while this preacher is preaching to is because God gave you that ability. God gave you that ability. It's the ability of free will. You want to be sassy with the preacher right now? Go ahead and just put your hand in the air. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Now you put it down whenever you want. Come on, put your hands in the air. Two people will do an example with me. Go ahead, be sassy. Now put it down whenever you want. So you decided that. And you'll decide to go to hell if you want to. God will not take you kicking and screaming up there. God won't take you by the neck and go, why don't you just, you know, come on. Why don't you just come here? What, you don't, you don't want to keep the Ten Commandments? Come on, keep the Ten Commandments. What, you don't want to stop sinning? You better stop sinning. You think that's the devil? Oh, you think that's Jesus? That's the devil. See, the devil loves treating you like that. The devil loves that. But you know what Jesus does? This is what Jesus does. stands at the door of your heart and knocks. And the reason why some of you can't hear him is because you're hearing what the devil's saying. You hear what that thief is saying. You know his lies and you know them well and you repeat them as if they're your own. See, I talk about Lady Gaga because it makes sense to this generation. When they hear that Lady Gaga song, they think those words are their own. Yeah, I was born this way. This is exactly how I feel. And they don't understand where that came from. When I talk to people with anger problems, gangbangers, you think I just preach this in a pristine pulpit? I'm more real than most pastors you ever meet. I pastored a church seven and a half years in New Orleans, worked in ten different projects where Master P, the Hot Boys are from, Third Ward, Fifth Ward, Holly Grove, Little Wayne. Listen to me. This is the same gospel that saves gangbangers. Thursday, two Thursdays ago, we saw a gangbanger saved in our church, crying, tears coming down his eyes. Listen to me. You know why it saves gangbangers? It's because we tell them the anger in your heart is from your nature, and you need to repent or you will bust hell wide open. That's the same message I said to my grandmother who was raised Catholic and went to the uh, mass every single day she could go there. On my knees, I begged my, my, mother, uh, my grandmother, I said, listen, you will go to hell unless you come to Christ because heaven is a place for those who want to be there and hell is for those who don't want to go to heaven. Here's what progressive salvation will teach you, to focus on your self-effort. See, if you don't think you can live for God, it's because you don't think you can live for God. You look at yourself. But what did Jesus say was the first thing a person must do? You must deny yourself. Everybody say, deny yourself. That's the first thing that Jesus taught you. Look at this right here as we get ready to get into the message because I'm still in the introduction. Come on, somebody say, preach it. Amen. You can say, oh my, oh me, or amen, but it's coming either way. Look at what Jesus says. Whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Must deny themselves. Must deny themselves. Why is it there are people today that aren't living for Jesus? Because they focus on themselves. It don't work for me. You hear all these testimonies coming up, and what's the first thing that comes in your mind? It don't work for me. Y'all religious people. 
It must have worked for you because you know what? You, you must have really needed a crutch. I, I talk to people like that all the time because I'm around a lot of smart people now because I get to get my doctor and I have the privilege of being around smart people. And it's like they look at me and they hear my testimony and they go, oh, yeah, 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 you needed it. I, oh, I look at you, Joe, you're crazy. I bet you needed Jesus. Oh, hold on, you don't need Jesus? Well, he's my crutch. No, he ain't my crutch. He's the wings I fly on. I can't even crawl without him. See, people want to say, oh, you needed Jesus. No, 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 listen to me, my friends. If you don't think you need Jesus, you have already been stolen your identity from the devil. The devil has stolen your identity. You were created in the image of God, the very air that you breathe, the heart beating through your body, the blood of your veins, and the air in your lungs all comes from God. Your free will, your volition, your ambition, your dream, your identity as a person, your self-determination comes from God. And the first thing he says to you, if you want me, deny yourself. You stop here, okay? Peter, you want to come? You stop here. It's my way now. John, you want to come? You stop here. My way now, Lord of all or not Lord at all. He said you can't serve two masters. The next thing that progressive salvation people want to believe in is uh, the, the gospel is little. It's not so powerful. And the reason I get so upset with some of these fake preachers is because they preached it to you in a way you think you know the gospel, and now you just brush it off like, oh, man, I got a cross. I know about Jesus. But here's the thing. Has Jesus changed you? Has Jesus rearranged you? Has the power of God made you a new person? If it hasn't, you got the wrong gospel. You're believing some self-help message because the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus changes lives every time. Every time. Here's another thing about progressive salvation. People love their sin. Love their sin. Why should I stop? I got a free get-me-out-of-jail card. All I got to do is just go confess it. Now, look how we treat God. We treat God in a way we wouldn't even treat the corner store drug dealer, and I used to sell drugs. We treat him better than a pimp. Well, God, you know what? I kind of love you, but here's the deal. I also love a whole lot of other stuff, but I know you're desperate because heaven must be a big place, and it's really empty, so you really want me there. So here's what I'll do, God. I'll come to you when I need you. I'll make you feel better. I'll pray to you, clap my hands, because I know you're insecure, and then I'll do my other stuff on the side. You cool with that, Jesus? You cool, Jesus? You cool? You cool with that, right, Jesus? How long do you think my wife would take it if I said, now, honey, listen, I love you, but I also love some other girls, too. And I'm going to be messing with them as well. But whenever I need some home-cooked meals, whenever I need a friend, that's what I'm going to call you. How long do you think that's going to last? You see, people who think this way misuse God's grace to live unholy. Well, Jesus will forgive me. Jesus forgive me. Jesus love me. Jesus love me just the way I am. Hey, have you ever read the Bible? He loves you just the way you are, but too much to let you stay that way. Everybody loves that story. Don't judge the woman in adultery. She's caught in sin. Do you know what Jesus said after the woman was caught in adultery? He said, who is without sin? Throw the first stone. And no one was without sin. Do you know what Jesus said to the woman? Go ahead and keep pulling tricks and now you know, bust me off some, some profit off that. Is that what Jesus said to her? Hey, you just keep on making your money, girl. I know you got to do your thing. Just, just, get, just put a tithe in the offering bucket every now and then. It's okay to laugh. You're in church. It's not the cemetery. Amen? No, he didn't say that to her. He said to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. Now, she either had to take that seriously or she should have looked at Jesus and said, but I can't. I'm a sinner. She, she obviously took Jesus at his word and said, all right, I'm done with that. Neglects God's word. Think about this, all of you right now, men, 
women alike. Think about this. How many things do you memorize in your everyday life? Just memorize. So I say to a man, man, tell me who's the starting lineup right now for the Cubs. Come on, man, tell me. Who's the pitcher? What's he getting paid? Where did he come from? You know? What about the Bulls, man? What's the record, right? Men, okay? Women, i got to be a little stereotypical on here. Where's the shoe sale at, women? (laughs) Don't throw things at me. (laughs) Where's that shoe sale at, you know? Come on. Where, where's that, where, what Macy's mall is having a discount rack right now? Come on. Women, they're going to know something like that. And I know when we have working women, all this, but, but watch, we memorize stuff all the time. Now, in your heart, not to me, you don't have nothing to impress me with. How many scriptures do you know by memory right now? How many you know? How many? Two, three, one? The Bible says, I have hidden your word within my heart that I may not sin against you. How can a young man keep his ways pure? By living according to your word, O God. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you and I expect to live like we are actually saved, how are you going to do without the word of God? Hide the word of God in your heart. How many believe Jesus is telling the truth when he says that he can deliver us from temptation and evil? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And help us keep on sinning because you're going to keep on forgiving. And lead us not into, but deliver us. See, some of y'all don't think God's real because you're praying the wrong prayers. Well, God ain't real. Well, why isn't he real? Well, I pray he didn't give me what I wanted. What would you want? I wanted a new car. I wanted to win the lottery. I wanted a boyfriend. You know what I'm saying? Well, the problem isn't God. The problem's your prayers. When was the last time you ever prayed this? God, uh, deliver me from temptation. Oh, God will come to you real quick and talk to you. Oh, yeah, shut off your computer. Share your account with your wife on Facebook. Stop going to that bar. Stop being around those people. Do this. Love this way. Do this, right? Deliver us. Those who don't want it, pretend like they do, but they don't want it. They give the devil too much credit. Oh, the devil, he's a thief. He's a liar. He steals everything. I can't help it but be pimp slapped by the devil. Some people talk like that, literally. They make it look like every day it's an arm wrestling match. How many remember that picture, the arm wrestling match against the devil and God? You want to see that? I'm going to put it, (laughs) y'all excited. It's like, this is Easter. My pastor going to tell the church what's up. Okay, listen right here. I want you to see, some of you think that Jesus and the devil are arm wrestling. Every day is such a struggle, and I don't know if I'm going to make it, and it's so hard to live for Jesus. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> some of you think this is what's going on right now, right? This is Jesus, right? This is Jesus. And, and, and right now, here's what's going on. You're, you're in church. You're in church, and Jesus is winning. Jesus is winning. But the devil, he's going to come get you. He's going to come get you once you get in your car. Some of you think that's the, that's the life you're going to live. Did Jesus say that's what he was going to do with the devil? Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. If something is destroyed, can you put it back together again? Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. How many want the devil's work destroyed in their life? Look at what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words, but with speech and with actions and in truth. And then let's continue up here. Um, I got the wrong passage, but I'll find it for you real quick. Destroy the works of the devil. This one's free for everybody because I have it in the notes. 1 John 3, 8 instead of 18. Look at it right here. No one who does what is sin- uh, the one who does what is sinful is of who? If your grandma does what is sinful, what is she of? If you do what is sinful, what are you of? If the Pope does what is sinful, what is he of? If I do what is sinful, what am I of? Okay? Because the devil has been what from the beginning? Sinning. The Son of God appeared for this very reason so he could arm wrestle with the devil. 
What does it say? The Son of God appeared was, the reason the Son of God appeared was to, how many of you guys want to be saved? How many want to be saved? Don't shout for the preacher. I'm just asking you a question. How many of y'all want to be saved? I want to be saved. I don't, I don't want this. I don't want self-effort. I don't want a small God. I don't want any more sin. I don't want to misuse God's grace to pimp him and try to live unholy. I don't want to justify my sin by comparing myself to others. I don't want to neglect God's word and care more about the cubs and socks than I do about the Bible. I don't want to be powerless against temptation, being drugged through life by my temper and sexuality. I don't want the devil to be lording over me like he's my boss. I don't want to be fake and religious and a hypocrite. I don't want to just find people to agree with me so everybody says I'm right. I don't want to keep complaining about how weak I am and be cynical of those who say that they're strong. No, I want to focus on Jesus' work. I want to make big of the gospel, enjoy righteousness, live holy by God's grace, repent of my sin quickly, abide in the word of God, defeat sin and temptation with the word, consider the devil already defeated under my feet, live by faith and reject false religion, love correction and accountability, keep it real proclaim my strength in Jesus Christ because through him I can do all things and desire and pray for everybody else to get high on the most high because there ain't no high like Jesus what do you want today? I made my decision you see today Jesus is speaking to all of us how many believe in Jesus today in this church I've debated Muslims I've debated atheists, I'm assuming most of you here believe in Jesus, if you do can you say his name? Jesus. Who do we love? Who's the boss? Who's the man? Who can do it? Nobody can. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the man. We all believe in him. This is what Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. This is what Jesus said. If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciple. You want to be a real disciple? Hold to Jesus' teaching. Stop playing make-believe with them. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in you as little baby Jesus. You all ever see Talladega Nights? I believe in little baby, sweet baby, tickle him, Jesus. That's what I believe in. Okay. You could believe in Captain America. You could believe in Iron Man. You could believe you can fly. You could believe in whatever you want to believe. We call that make-believe. Just because I believe in Abraham Lincoln doesn't mean I'm reading his words today and applying them to my life. Just because you believe in Jesus doesn't mean you hold to his teaching. Look at what he said to the Jews who believe, and he's saying to the Chicagoans who believe, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will kind of set you free. It will what? Set you free. Well, I'm locked up. They won't let me out. Oh, no, they won't let me out. I'm locked up. That's how people think about life. I'm just so locked up, Pastor. I'm so locked up. Was locked up. Why are you locked up? Well, I can't help myself. Yeah, you become your worst enemy. That's right. You can look at the mirror and find your worst enemy. The devil can only use what you give him. That's true. But when was the last time you came to Jesus and said, set me free? See, I'm talking to people today. Somebody here wants to be free, and I'm telling you how to get free. You believe in Jesus Christ, and you hold to his teaching, and you stop playing games. And Jesus Christ will do the work that you can't do. He will make you his masterpiece, his handiwork. Can you see Christ failing in your life? Can you imagine him failing? Like, do you think he's going to say to Isaiah, well, 
Isaiah, you know what? I'm really not able to help you get out of some of this junk in your life. It's really a little bit above what I can handle right now. Just stay messed up. You know what? No, God's going to look at Isaiah and say, Isaiah, you are who I said you are. You can do what I said you can do. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. When you get weak, I'll be your strength. When you feel alone, I'll be your companion. When you are rejected, I will accept you. When you feel dead, I'll be your life. And when you can't breathe, I'll give you eternal life in my presence. When this body dies, Isaiah will live on. Isaiah, can you give an example for me? Can you come on up here, sir? Looking so good. Let's give it up for Isaiah. Now let's pretend Isaiah, for the illustration, is the devil, but he ain't no devil. He's a son of God. But let's pretend these are the teachings of Jesus, and now you're going to try to take them out of my hand. Go ahead. Go ahead. See, this is what the devil does. He tries to take the teachings of Jesus out your hand. It's not a big deal to sin. You were born this way. Look at your friends. They all do that. Now, Isaiah, try to take it like you mean it now. Come on. This is what I say to the devil. You can't have it. I'm holding on to Jesus' teachings. I will die with them in my teeth like a bulldog because I know what God did for me. Let's give it up for Isaiah up high. Boom. Well, pastor, it didn't work for me. No, you know why it didn't work for you? Because this is you with the devil. Some of y'all act like the devil is so powerful, like he just like struggled with you. No, many of you, it's just like this. The devil just shows a little skirt. Here's the teaching up here, and you're like, woo, I'm done with this. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. The devil says, hey, you want some more money? Cheat on your taxes. Work like this. Be compromised like this. And some of y'all aren't even a tug of war. You just go, Psh, I'll let go of that. Of course I'll let go of that. Of course. You mean holding on to Jesus' teaching is going to mean i got to make less, do more, be rejected, be persecuted. Man, I ain't down like that. And then you wonder why you're bound. I want to meet somebody that holds on to Jesus' teaching and says, I'm holding on to him because I'm going to prove him at his word. Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. You say, Pastor, have you ever sinned? Absolutely. And I sin just the way you sin. When I say, uh, well, you know what? I don't need to do that right now. God says, forgive that church member, but I ain't going to forgive him yet. I'm going to tell him what I really think about him. He's my vicious side. And then God goes, you done acting like a fool? Oh, yeah, I'll take the teaching of repentance now, Lord, forgive me. And then God says, now, don't let go of it. Now, of course, I've, I've played the game like many of you have. Well, I'll just let go of it to pick it back up again. I'll let go of it to pick it back up again. And you know what you begin to realize over time as you keep letting go of Jesus' teaching is that being a captive ain't what it's all cracked up to be. I remember people telling me when I was first pastor, and they said, man, this is so hard. This is so hard. And then I began to realize, I'm like, man, going to hell is hard. Living addicted is hard. Living empty in your soul at night is hard. And now I've got some of my friends after 20 years, they're calling me up. They're finding me on Facebook, and they're saying, Pastor, Joe, whatever, man, I'm ready for this. And I'm saying, man, I'm glad God gave you a chance to do it because that's what happened with me. At 18, I said, I'm done. I'm done with this life. I want to live Christ's life. Can somebody say amen? amen? It's not just for me. It's for whoever who wants it. Now, I want you to see this in closing. Somebody say in closing. Here it is in closing. It's up to you the kind of life that you want to live. You see, Jesus died on the cross so that you could die to your sins. He rose again from the grave so that you could live for him. Can I have someone come to the, the, band, uh, the band, please, here? Now, I want you to look at this illustration. It's very simple. We preached about it last week. Those who are led by the Spirit are crucified in their flesh with Christ. Why? So that they can live with Jesus in the Spirit. If I accepted Christ, what happened to my old man? It was placed upon the cross of Calvary. Where does the new man come from? The Holy Spirit. 
On the inside of me, I'm a new person. This body will die. This body falls apart pretty easy. <laughs> i got to tell this story. It may not, may not be very relative to the sermon, but it is a funny story. If you want to know why I have this Band-Aid on, it's because i got a kayak, and I'm having fun on the river now kayaking. I want to take it downtown and see that epic, you know, city skyline at night and all that. And uh, I, take, I took my daughter on this, and we were doing the thing. We are having some fun. And I made the mistake to mention to her that further down was a Dairy Queen. And I said, maybe we can paddle on down to that Dairy Queen. Well, the moment she heard this, she was like egging me on to paddle down to this Dairy Queen, and I ended up stopping at some point, looking at my GPS, and I had underestimated it, and it was about a good three or four miles from where I was at, going upstream, but like any good dad, I was going to be a man and paddle her to this Dairy Queen, but lo and behold, my city self started ripping apart my hands, I'm getting all sore, and I'm saying, unless you want the boat to sink, and we have to be taken there by the Coast Guard, we cannot go to Dairy Queen today, and so hence, this is my battle wound for my daughter. I tried. You don't have to do that. But I tried. I tried so hard. I was like, we're going to try. We're going to try. And I start bleeding. And she's like, why are you bleeding? And I'm like, because it hurts. It hurts. It ain't easy paddling you around. And I have these pictures of her. And she's just like, she has her little paddle. She's so cute. But isn't that like God with us? You know, God's not in the sense like us getting tired, but a lot of times we want God to take us places that he says is not right for us, you know, and he's the one paddling, doing all the work. That's something to think about. But I want you to think about our flesh. It's all going to die. Just look at your body. Look at you. you got a pregnant body. You feeling good? How many weeks are you pregnant? Let's give it up for this beautiful young lady, Ricky's wife. Back there, you're a handsome man too. I give up compliments to both genders. It's a handsome man. <laughs> And so we think about this flesh, and we're like, I love this flesh. I'm going to take care of this flesh. I'm going to mani-pedi this flesh. I'm going to, like white people, I'm going to sunbathe this flesh. I'm going to lay out in the sun, you know. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to do hair on this flesh. I'm going to get somebody else's hair on my hair on this flesh. Hello, somebody. You know, we, we love our flesh, but don't you understand this? Listen, listen, if the Bible is true, the flesh is your actual enemy. Because it represents the sinful nature and what you have from Adam and Eve. And so you're actually carrying around, as Paul said in Romans, a body of death. It's dying. My, dad, my mom and dad were here today in the first service, and he's turning 70 next month, and they found melanoma in his arm, and they have to get it out because it can spread and become cancerous. Right? Flesh dies. Some of you have affected, felt those effects at an early age, you know. We had one of our Bible college students in New Orleans doing missionary work, and she gets tired, you know, while she's going out there, and then she goes to the doctor, and she finds out she has lupus right there on her mission trip, right? That's, that's life. That's what happens in real life. But this is what God is saying. You're not your flesh. You're not this hand. And thank God you're not your stomach. Can I hear an amen? Or your hips or anything else. You're not that. You're actually a soul on the inside, and this is an earth suit that you've put on. Because when God created it out of dust, you were still dust until he breathed in you, right? And here's what God is saying. I know you still got flesh, but I'm going to put my treasure in that jar of clay. He's going to put that treasure in you, his Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, when he died, I died with him. Since we what? By the Spirit? 
Live by the Spirit. Somebody say live. So I have been crucified with Christ, and now I live by the let us keep in step with the Spirit. Can't you just see Jesus reaching out his hand to you going, come on, let's go through life. Don't listen to your flesh. Don't listen to your brain. Don't listen to your five senses. Definitely don't listen to your stomach. Gentlemen, you know what not to listen to as well. Hello. But what I want you to listen to is my spirit. And when you're on your job, I'm going to give you a path of righteousness, how to be at peace with around crazy people. In your family, in your community, I'll give you the paths of righteousness. Oh, but God, it don't always feel right. Yep, yep, that's right. Flesh doesn't always like doing what's right. Has anybody learned that yet? How many know exercise? You will squeal like a pig when you're doing exercise. Squeal, 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 squeal. I don't know if y'all haven't done real exercise. I ain't getting enough amens on you on that. Maybe you don't like the pig illustration. You'll cry like a little baby. How many know your flesh will scream when you start exercising? If not, we will turn this into an aerobic center right now, and I will watch you start to cry. I will watch little tears come down your eyes. Oh, it hurts. If you don't think exercising hurts, just try to do a plank for five minutes. If you don't think exercising hurts, try to do ten pull-ups. Hello? But it's good for your flesh, but your flesh doesn't like it. You see the contradiction? God is good for your body. God and his spirit will give life to your soul. He'll change your countenance. He'll bless your emotions. Do you know that you think around 50,000 thoughts a day and most of them are ant thoughts, automatic negative thoughts, A-N-T? Think about that, how much you think about negative stuff. And God is saying, that's not good for your brain. That's not good for your brain. And he's saying, put my word in your brain. Put your word. Let me, let me wash your brain. Some people are like, well, I go to that, you know, you go to that church, it's going to brainwash you. Yes, I need my brain washed. How many need their brain washed? How many get, need to get rid of some stinking thinking? Amen? How many are tired of stop living by the flesh? If I live by the flesh, I would already be in jail right now. Most of you would be too. Let's be honest. The flesh can be lazy. The flesh can be depressed. The flesh can be angry. The flesh can be easily agitated. The flesh can be sexually driven. The flesh can be annoyed. The flesh can be obese. The flesh can be absolutely out of control sometimes. And Jesus is saying, I died so your flesh would die with me. And I rose so that your and your spirit and your soul would live with me. So do we want flesh or do we want spirit? Come on, I want the spirit. How many want the spirit? Say amen. Here it is. Here it is for all those who want it. Look at what God said. Somebody say, that's what he said. Ezekiel, you are an awesome man of God. Would you come up here and read this, please? Did I call him Ezekiel today twice? I, call, I got TJ wrong today. I called him Shamal as well. I got, I'm so sorry. A lot on my mind today. No excuse. Will you forgive me? See, that's repentance right there. Come on. Now would you come up, Ezekiel? Oh, I see. <laughs> and that was for your viewing pleasure so you would know the pastor ain't got it all together. But God has changed me. And I'm repenting now, I think, for the second time for getting your name wrong. Isaiah. We didn't plan this, obviously. But this is what I want you to do, man. I want you to read it. You can read it here or you can read it up there because I don't want people in this congregation to think I'm making it up. This is what a new life looks like. Would you read it, please? I, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. 
I will cleanse you from all your impurity and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my deceit and be and be careful to keep my laws. Can we all stand up, please? People feel dirty in life, don't we? Regrets, bad decisions. Jesus says, I'll clean you, and you will be clean. You feel impure. You feel like you got idols in your heart, Ben. Would you come, please? You feel like you got things you put before God's, uh, God. We may not have little gods like Buddha, but we have TVs. We have our sports and entertainment. We have our jobs. And we say, oh, I worship you, job. You define me. You make me who I am. When I don't have you, I feel lonely. When I don't get the blessing from you, my paycheck, I feel like a loser. My friends, I idolize you. You're, you're what I look up to. If I don't have your approval, if I don't have your likes on Facebook, I don't feel right. Money, if I don't have you, if I can't spend you, if I don't have you to show off, I don't feel right. You ever have idols in your heart? You ever have impurities in your heart? God says, I'll cleanse you from all of them. Cleanse you from all idols. How many want to be cleansed from all idols? How many are tired of little gods in your life telling you what to do? There's only one person to tell you what to do, and that's God. How about this? How many of you feel you got an old heart? How many feel like, man, my heart ain't right? I'll be honest, Pastor, my heart ain't right. It's been hurt. When I talk to children, we have a, our children's pastor here. She's working in the foster care program. I'm going to say this, and I might cry like a baby, man. I think you were right there. When, were you there when Sue Ellen came over for the birthday party? Because you both came at the same time, right? It wasn't at the same time. Okay, thank you. I don't want to put you on the spot, but there was somebody else there. Two of them came in at the same time. But listen, Sue Ellen, Pastor Susie, has a foster care child, little sweet girl. And when she came to the door, Sue Ellen was behind her and was with another guest. This girl instantly, when we opened the door and said, hey, come on, and she started to cry. And she started to shake. And it took her mother, like, I mean, Sue Ellen, like, like five minutes to calm her down. I'm telling you this, man, it was almost tears in my eyes because at that moment it did make me cry. It broke me because I went to Sue Ellen and I said, I wonder what that girl has been through. That she is so broken on the inside as a child that just seeing strangers like that just set off alarms. And you may be here today and you say, that's what my heart feels like, like a glass jar or a precious vase and somebody slammed it, broke it in a million pieces. I've been hurt, I've been abused, I've been let down, I've been mistreated. Listen to what God says to you. The real God, the God of the Bible, the God who does not lie, the Jesus who died on the cross rose again. He says, I will give you a new heart, a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you a heart of stone where you don't feel like you have that joy anymore. You, you go through life numb. I will take that heart of stone out of you and give you a heart of flesh that beats for me. Man, I know I haven't gone through what some of you have gone through, but I want to tell you, man, I had a heart of stone, and I know what it felt like when God put that heart inside of me. I could feel it beating on the inside of me. And, and you know what, man, I'll be honest with you. 
in my heart, I, I was just like, God, get me off drugs. Okay, I tried it. You know, I'm already feeling better. Like, I'm good. But God had more. He wasn't just giving me a barely get along life. He wanted to give me an abundant life. And then all of a sudden, I said, well, Mom, I can't go back to the house I'm living with because that's a drug house. She said, well, you can come home if you don't want to do drugs. And I said, that's good because I don't want to do them anymore. It wasn't 12 steps. It was one step. And then I got my family back. My dad came home from work, and we were all sitting around. And I remember saying to my dad, I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. I said to my dad, I said, Dad, count me in now. I'm here to help. And when my dad lost his father, and he was crying on his knees, and I was in Bible college, I put my hand around my dad, and I gave him comfort through the Holy Spirit. And I knew at that moment that was what God was saying. You're part of the family again. You listening to me? But I was just like, well, I'm cool, man. And I was delivering pizzas off drugs, living at home, got my family. And then God said, but I want you to go into ministry. And I said, what? Me in ministry? I'm like, God, I don't think you know me. I know me. I am not that guy. I am not some soft little gentle pastor. I will not be smiling like these people. I am not like that. But God said, I'm going to give you a new heart. And I started to preach, and God started to change me. And then I was good. And then God said, no, 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 I got a wife for you. And I said, is this her? Is this her? Is this her? And I dated like 50 girls as a Christian. That's why I wrote a book back there called Date Like a Christian because I did it wrong. I was like, God, is it this one? God, is it this one? God, I'm going to kiss this one just to see if it is or not. Is it this one? See, Pastor keeps it real. Is it this one? I'm repenting and repenting. I go, what's wrong? And then God brings me my wife, and I break up with her after us going out for only a few weeks. You know why? Because I was scared. Because she was so different than all the other ones that when I met the real one, I got scared and ran away. And God said, what are you doing? That's the one. That's the one. But then I was good, right? Good. Man, my wife and I, we love Jesus. I'm so, we started a church in our house. I'm good. You know what God then said? I'm going to give you a family. I'll give you kids. We had our first daughter. I didn't know, I, first of all, I didn't grow up with any kids. I grew up as an only child. I don't know if you can tell that by my personality, but I did. I grew up as an only child. I didn't know how to take care of anybody. I didn't know how to take care of myself. I didn't know how to take care of diapers, nothing. The very first time my wife left me alone with Bethany, I forgot where I had set her on the couch, and I was watching the TV, and I just did what I normally do, going for a sitting position, just swinging up my feet and laying it down. I hit her like literally, it was like dunk right on her head. And I just heard it, and I heard her start to scream, and there was the biggest red mark on her head. And I said, God, why, why, am, I, why am I with a daughter? I don't even know how to treat her. But God said, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you. Hello. And, that, and God is my witness. God is my witness. My, my wife and I, we had our second child, and we, we would sit around and talk because life kept getting more abundant. Life kept getting more abundant. God was doing things through this new heart. And you know what? I, I, said, I said to my wife, I said, there is no way I can love another person like I love Bethany, my first. I mean, I, how do you do that? And those of you who have multiple children know what I'm talking about. Your heart just grows. And then we had a third. And then we had a fourth. And we don't have hobbies, we have babies. And now we have a fifth. And now we have a fifth coming. And I'm like, this is abundant life. See, what does it look like for you? Where does it start? Where does God start to blow your mind and say, no, it doesn't look like what you think it should look like? I appreciate you coming to church. Maybe that's where it started for some of you, but you've got to understand life may have growth and seasons, but salvation is not a progress. Start with salvation today and let God grow you and change you over the years. 
But you get saved today. You get a new heart today because verse 27, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. How many want to keep God's laws and decrees? Can I give you a good way to look at it? Go dancing with Jesus. I know for guys that sounds weird. Girls are not sure of it, but let me just say it again so everybody can get it. Go dancing with Jesus. Now, the way I look at it as a dude is I'm not like being whisked away like some waltz with Jesus, okay? I'm not like being dipped over. Like, no, I'm going back to my generation. I'm with Jesus and the Marky Mark, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, okay? So Jesus is doing this, and I'm like, okay, Jesus, let's go. And then Jesus goes, you know, like this, and I go like this with Jesus. And I'm like, okay, man, I'm dancing with you. Now, for the ladies, it could be more like a waltz, you know, like I love you. You're dancing with your daddy, you know, whatever. But here's the thing, whether you picture yourself dancing with Jesus in an 80s boy band or whatever, or you see yourself dancing a waltz, I want you to look at this as that being those steps of righteousness. Because it's God moving you through life. And Him being patient with you. But it's got to be real. You know when it's real. You know when you mean it. And you know when you don't want it, right? We know when we don't want something. So I hope today your thoughts have begun to change towards God. Those who have already been living for Jesus, you keep on going. But for those who need Jesus today for the first time, get him in your heart and don't leave without him. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for today. Can I ask you to pray on your own right now? You don't have to pray out loud. But would you look at your heart and search your life and ask yourself these questions right now? Am I where I'm supposed to be with God? Have I been born again? Am I new? Am I crucified with Christ? If you have any doubt of those things, we're not going to call you up. We don't do that in this church. We, we like it when you pray on your own between you and God. But what I'm going to do as a pastor, as Rachel just begins to sing, Jesus be the center of it all, I want you to begin to get serious with God and get in your life the principle of the Spirit. Get in your life the Holy Spirit and live by the principle the wisdom, the righteousness of God. Right now, just be honest with yourself. I'm looking at my heart. Altar workers, would you come, please? I want you to look at your heart because you have to decide what you're going to do. She's going to sing this one more time and then we're going to go back into a meditative prayer because I want you to focus on Christ today. Do you have Jesus as the Lord of your life? Have you been born again? Have you truly repented? Are you in step with the Spirit? If you're here and you don't know what those things mean, all you need to do is pray to the Father in Jesus' name and ask Him to change your life and He will. You have to mean it, though. So what I want you to do right now, just as she plays quietly right now, I want you to be honest with what's in your heart. And I'm going to step off this pulpit, and I want some people just in their own heart to get serious with God, and then we'll close out. So can you give God right now a couple minutes to be honest with who you are and what you're going to do in life? What are you going to do in life today? What are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do?
you can talk, you can pray. If you can talk, you can pray, and you can mean it today from your heart. You can mean it. How do I pray, Pastor? You pray to God the Father in Jesus' name. That's it. Can you do it in your heart with your mind? Absolutely. Can you do it out loud? Sure. Think about your life today. What are you going to do? If hell is a real place, there are people there right now who wish they never went there because they thought it was something different. They chose to reject God, yes, but the thief deceived them, and they thought probably some other thing would happen or they would get another chance, whatever. And so today you've been given a clear opportunity to know the devil's tricks, to know his lies, to know what he's up to, to see him for who he is, and you've been shown Jesus. Jesus was a righteous man, a holy man, the Messiah, the Son of God, who taught people to deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow him, who taught people to hold on to his teachings, to be born of the Spirit, to be made new. And he said that would all be possible because of what he would do on a cross. When he rose again after the third day, he told them, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has now been given to me. Go into all the world. Make disciples of the nations. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the earth. It's been 2,000 years, friends. Do you feel like we're getting close to the end? Look around the world, man. I think we are. The Bible says the deception would be so difficult in the end times that people would be killed simply for believing in Jesus. And they would call good evil and evil good. Think about what you're seeing in your world today. Do you want to stand up for Christ and be a disciple? A few more moments. You may say, Pastor, well, I've got sins in my life. Okay, well, confess them. Do you know how to do it? It's really simple. Like I've always said, you don't need Father Tom. You just need Father God in Jesus' name. Once again, pray to the Father in Jesus' name and say, Father, forgive me for blank. Change my life. Forgive me for lying. Forgive me for sexual perversion and make me pure. Forgive me for cursing and make my words wholesome. Forgive me for anger and make me patient. Forgive me for selfish ambition and make me selfless. Forgive me for pride, make me humble. Forgive me for witchcraft, false religion, and make me obedient to your word. A few more moments. Who today is going to get serious with God? Just think in your heart today, is it worth it? I made a decision 20 years ago and said, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. A few more moments. God help us. We don't just need preachers, God. We need your Holy Spirit more than anything else. And I ask you to do what my words can never do. 
and that's touched the human heart. Show us who we are without you, God. Show us our brokenness. Show us that you are the healer and our only hope. As you're praying, I just think of so many of the testimonies I saw today. One of them was a young man. He was in jail. He came to Christ there. He's one of our strongest leaders. What a powerful testimony. Another one was from a girl that was bisexual. God changed her life in a car. She didn't even come to church, but God changed her while she was praying in a car. There's so many stories in this church. Let your story join the stories of what God is doing. Now we're going to sing this in closing together. Jesus be the center of it all. And as we do, before we go, would you just make that your prayer? Because that's how I feel after when I preach like I do today. I just, I just want to tell God, Jesus, be the center of it all. So could we change the word at to be? And maybe you want to raise your hands. And what that means is you're surrendering your life to God. You may want to keep your eyes closed so that you don't lose focus on what we're doing here. You may want to kneel to show God you're surrendering like, man, I'm giving up my ways. But whatever you do, before you go, would you worship him for what he did for you? If you truly are glad you came to this church, or if you truly believe the words preached to you, would you worship him with me? Worship him together. Jesus, Jesus, be the center of it all. Jesus, be the center. Jesus, be, be the, center the center of it all. From beginning to the end, morning to night, from, from birth to, to death, end, it will always be. Always be it's always been you, Jesus. Now, come on, a few more times. Mean it today. Jesus, let go of the things in your life and let God have control. Jesus, be the center. Of it all, God, of my job, my family, my money, my sexuality, my dreams, my hopes, my children, from beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Now we're going to change it. Instead of be the center of it all, let's say, Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus, the center of my life if you're by your family member a close friend would you hold their hand and just sing it with them come on jesus be the center of our lives here be the center of my family it's all about you it's always been it's always been jesus one more time sing it as a prayer with somebody you love right now come on jesus be the center of my life, of my life, God. I need you so bad. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. From beginning to the end, will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Before we sing this last part, can I tell you an ending story? Can I tell you how stories end? You know my, my dad with the melanoma getting worked on, keep him in your prayer. Do you know that my aunt, his sister, has already died of cancer? She's like two years older than him. But you know what's beautiful about Aunt Joanne is that she led my father to the Lord, was a part 
of that transformation. My family was raised Catholic, right? And she got saved, and she said, Jim, Jimmy, you got to get this. This is where it's at. And, you know, he got saved. And now watch this. This is my aunt, who I've known since, you know, birth. I go into hospice, and she's got worship music on. And I walk in, and she's dying, yet she's still praising and worshiping. I truly understood what it meant at that point. Though outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And you know what she asked me? Because my wife and I were in a car accident where somebody ran a red light, totaled both of our cars. That's why my wife's ankle's broken. It's been being healed. You know what she asked me? She said, how's Nancy doing? I've been praying for her. You want to talk about from beginning to end. I said, Aunt Joanne, you in here dying? That's how I said it. You're in here dying? And you're praying for my wife? I looked at my uncle, who's still Catholic, and I looked right at him, and I got all sassy, but it was in love. And I said, Uncle Frank, listen to me. You all pray to people that are dead, and you call them saints. That ain't what the Bible says. The Bible says you don't pray to saints, but saints are alive, and they pray. And I said, this is a saint. Read your Bible. It says, to the saints of Philippi, to the saints of Colossia, it's a living person, living holy for God. And I want us to end that way, right? I'm not saying let's be all sadistic and think about our death, but from beginning to end, it's always and will always be about Jesus. I want to finish my race like Aunt Joanne. So that if you come see me, Rachel, and I'm in hospice and I'm breathing through some tube, you'll hear some worship music in that room and you'll meet somebody that still loves Jesus even though my body is dying. And I want to know if there's a church that's going to love Jesus even if you lose your job, even if things don't go your way. You'll say, man, it's still about Jesus. He hasn't changed. He's worthy. He's worth it. Because that's all that matters. And there ain't no better father than me. I know we got some good dads in here, but I'm going to tell you something. I ain't no deadbeat dad, but I'll tell you right now, I couldn't do it without God. So we're going to sing this last part. From my heart to the heavens. As we sing this, would you stretch out your hands and do it as a sign right now. If you're holding somebody's hand, raise it up. Come on. And just say, God, from my heart to where you are right now, it's all about you, Jesus. I pray you hear the cries of our heart today. From 5405 West Diversity, we're sending up our praises to heaven because you're worth it, God. You're our superstar. You're the greatest. You're our hero. You're our father. You're our savior. You're our light in the darkness. You're our hope when things are hopeless. You're our healing in the pain. You're our peace in the storm. You're our strength and weakness. From my heart. From
today just receive it right now if you're addicted to anything i'm praying your addictions are broken right now right now if you want to be free from addictions just say i'm free in jesus name i'm praying for you cigarette addictions drug addictions alcohol addictions sexual addictions spending addictions be free eating addictions right now be free be free be free in Jesus name the devil can't keep you anymore if you're in this place right now and you've been hurt in life and unforgiveness has tied you up say right now I forgive and I'll pray for you to be free come on come on be free be free from unforgiveness be free from the pain of your past be free from the hurt of what others have done Libertad, libertad, in el nombre de Jesucristo, freedom, freedom, freedom. Come on, come on, who else wants freedom? The sun sets free. Be free, be free, be free. Right now, right now, sets free right now right now right now there is freedom before we leave out here we're gonna have brian pray for us brian i know that there were people who used to do drugs but then there were people who stayed on drugs there was people who got high and there were people who stayed high what kind of person were you i was a pot smoker i smoked two packs of cigarettes a day just a whole lot of stuff you were one of those people that were hooked huh oh yeah did you have to go to a 12-step program no uh-uh. Did you go to a self-help uh, religious seminar? Nope, none of that. Did you watch one of Oprah Winfrey's self-help classes? Uh-uh. Did you read a book from some preacher on TV? Nope. How did you get free? Jesus, instantly. I don't know about you, but I believe him. I believe him. Would you pray before we leave out of here that anybody that wants freedom will do the same thing? That anybody that wants freedom, they'll come and test our God? I would rather them come up here and say, well, I want to try that than to walk out if you're going, I've already tried that and it didn't work.